The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as a former journalist for a campus newspaper, shouts to the Daily Helmsman, I want to start by congratulating the Daily Tar Heel at the University of North Carolina, specifically the Daily Tar Heel's Ryan Wilcox, for a story that published Sunday night and shook up the ACC. The story included a video that showed Armando Baycott and Dayron Sharp partying maskless after midnight following Saturday's victory at Duke. The byproduct of the story was the cancellation of UNC's game with Miami on Monday. In simple terms, Miami officials saw the video and said, nope, we ain't playing them reckless dudes. Hurricanes were already in Chapel Hill. Still, game got canceled. Norlander, how big of a deal is it that multiple UNC players and managers were partying maskless, maskless after Saturday's win at Duke, smack dab in the middle of the dumbest pandemic I've personally ever seen. Is it just college students being college students, no big deal, or do the Tar Heels deserve to be shamed like Cersei Lannister forced to walk nude down Franklin Street? Are you suggesting you want to see Leaky Black walk nude down Franklin Street? I have no desire, but, okay. you know, punishment is punishment. Okay. All right. Didn't realize we were going. By the way, great pop culture reference, Game of Thrones. See, you do like it from time to time. Um, I didn't quote anything. I merely referenced a popular television show, but I didn't quote anything like a nerd. It's, it's, it's one and the same. I, I appreciate it all the same there. But do we think this is the first time this happened this season? Uh, we do think it's the first time a campus newspaper published video that's, of yeah, players that's and then got the, it, which led to the cancellation of a game. I don't think there's any doubt other players at other schools, perhaps those players at that school, have done something outside of what they are instructed to do. It's just that these geniuses somehow allowed it to be videoed. Exactly. <laughs> that's my thing. Yeah. Like, well, first off, you, you shouldn't be doing that. I, I you know, I, I can, I can you know, and not be outraged by it because on some level it is college students being college students, young people being young people. Hell, I, I live in a part of the country where old people act like young people as it pertains to whether you should take this virus seriously or, or not. Um, you know, they, they beat Duke. They watch all of their fellow classmates just like go wild in the streets. I can understand how you end up in a situation like that. Um, shouldn't do it, but I get it. Uh, I don't understand how you let it get videoed. Like at some point, wouldn't you be like, yo, no iPhones in here. What are we doing? Yeah, I know. But college students going to college student like the, the, I, I hear you. Um, but yeah, this this has just been an ongoing concern 
from coaches. Like, they'll, no coach is really ever going to say this publicly on the record on a Zoom call or, you know, even with a phone call with you or me or whatever. But this is the, this is the, the, the every night, like, never going away concern. Okay, I got these players on my team. Are they going to be idiots and just not do what we ask them and then threaten our season, our games to, you know, put us on the shelf for seven, 10, 14 days because of this stuff. North Carolina wasn't the first to do this, but yes, um, the players were dumb enough to be uh, <laughs> all too giddily on video. Of course, it comes after the Duke game. Um, I can understand why they're certainly fired up to win at Cameron Indoor. Let's be real. That is uh, on at the top of the list outside of postseason accomplishments for why you go to Carolina is you want to be able to win at Duke and be able to claim that for the rest of your life. Um, my question for you is this. We, Caroline has not yet had a positive COVID-19 case within its program yet this season. Uh, so it's, it's done a, it's done a great job and obviously been lucky with some of that, but this is intentional uh, uh, documented uh, kind of flagrant behavior uh, flouting the, um, the protocols, the rules, right? This was ruled a postponement. And a couple of people were talking about this on on Tuesday. Should this have been a forfeit? Should should Carolina have forfeited this game and taken a loss, and Miami taken a win because of the, purely the fact that Miami was there, ready to play the game? This video surfaces while it's eating its pregame uh, team meal, and then the game gets canceled. And, you know, are you good with it not being a forfeit at this point? I guess. Well, let's start the other way. Had it been ruled a forfeit, I would not have been the person saying, put me on CBS Sports uh, CBS Sports HQ right now. I've got to uh, be outraged about this. <laughs> you know, you, you did what you did. On the other hand, I don't believe there's any precedent for somebody forfeiting a game during this pandemic because of a video or positive test or anything like that. Um, so, I, I, yes, I'm fine with it not being a forfeit, if only because – once you decide to make a team forfeit a game based on something like this, where do you draw that line? Like, are you making Baylor? Like, do you investigate why Baylor's shut down mm -hmm. right now? And if you find out it's because two players were maskless somewhere, now Baylor's got to take losses as well. I just, I'm fine with it being handled the way it was handled. Right. I'm kind of with you on that. So if that's the case, what does it take to actually get a forfeit? You know, what's the, what's the, uh, What's to stop someone else from from doing this uh, on a team if they've seen this happen? I mean, we, there's no the, – the statements came out from Roy Williams and the players. It doesn't seem like there are any suspensions at play here. And if that's not the case, uh, what, you miss you miss a game? Maybe you have a couple of really, really hard practices? You know, what's what's the detriment, I guess, to this, you know, at this point? It's, it's an interesting situation. Um, going well, I don't think any other players are going to intentionally – like, you know, put their program in a situation where, hey, like, we don't want to, man, we got a game with Gonzaga this weekend. I'd rather not be involved in oh, that. I mean, uh, are you sure? <laughs> hey, hey, video me real quick. Uh, you know, listening to uh, Little Baby, uh, maskless with seven strangers. Is that what was, think, was that, was Little Baby on in the background? I, mean, I don't know. What oh, was okay. On okay. okay. I, I, I only watched the video one time. I saw, I saw all I needed to see one time. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to lead to anything like that. I just think that this is, this is the highest profile situation that we've had because it's not just, Hey, we heard some players were at a bar. We heard some players were at their girlfriend's apartments. This was like, it's on video. Like there they are. And you know, it, it should be noted that Baycott and um, Sharp were not the only UNC players there. They're just the only ones on video, but because there's a video of this one, I think it makes it bigger. 
I mean, without the video, Miami is in North Carolina play on Monday night. That's right. Um, so, but I don't think it's anything bigger than that. And if the question is, what does it take to get a forfeit? I just don't think we're going to have any forfeits. And I, I think it's sort of understood throughout the sport. If you can play, you can play. And if you can't play, you can't play. And we'll keep it moving. I'm with you. Well, I, I can't recall a situation where we've had a forfeit in uh, this pandemic in any major American sport, right? NFL played yeah, no, every single no, one of I, games, I mean, there was so. even talk in Major League Baseball right. like when the, the Marlins were, you know, going to ball, hotel bars and the – or the Cardinals were going to hotel bars. Maybe the Marlins were going to a casino. There was talk about make them forfeit, but they never actually did it. To to best uh, best I can remember, nobody's had to forfeit because of COVID issues or even possible COVID issues. The uh, the thing is, like Carolina might weirdly benefit from this, so the game gets technically postponed. It could theoretically get made up, but if if Carolina doesn't lose any of its remaining games, um, I'd be surprised if it got made up. I'm just looking at its schedule for the rest of the way here. The ACC did not schedule out its season to allow for uh, a makeup week before the ACC tournament. It, it frankly, it's scheduled as though we weren't in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes, which was a bit baffling. But because of that, North Carolina it dodges. It dodges a team that would have done some real harm to a true bubble resume if Carolina would have lost that game. And Miami's not that good of a team, but it has defeated other good teams this season. So it, it, because of all of this, it actually, in my opinion, it, it did get a brief advantage here. Now, Carolina's got to turn around now and go play at Virginia on Saturday. It certainly won't be favored to win that game. But um, that was that was an upshot of what a, of what we saw go down this week. I thought that was also interesting as well. It, it, it wasn't obviously the, the intended consequence, if you will, but by not playing the game, a team that's squarely on the bubble avoids kind of a slippery opponent in which if it had lost the game, like UNC would, you know, it would have conceivably been out of current bracket projections and, and basically benefited the situation because of this. Well, to your point, I mean, you know, a home game against Miami, it, it can only hurt you. I mean, it, that's it, right. It, uh, the win's not going to help you. The loss is... I don't want to say devastating, but it's the loss is not good. So in that in 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 that regard, they do get to skip, you know, a possible landmine, if you will. Um, but you know, I, I don't think they should have to forfeit. And despite everything I've said about it is, you know, this is just this is what we're dealing with. If you're Miami, I do believe you've got a a, a real reason to be, uh, you know, upset. I mean, it's it's not just because you lost a game. You flew there mm-hmm. on a charter. You know, you stayed the night there. I mean, you spent real that, – that, that stuff's not cheap. I mean, it's a school that in the middle of the, the at dumbest pandemic I've ever seen, it's a school that spent real money to travel there, and then they don't play the game because your players are doing something they know they're not supposed to do, and it was caught on video. Like, my players weren't doing that on Saturday night, probably because they didn't beat Duke, but whatever. My players weren't doing that on Saturday night. We 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 did what we were supposed to do. We got on a plane. We came here. Now we can't play because your players were acting like that on video. If you're Miami, I understand being upset. I guess my bottom line is I just don't know what you do about it other than what they've done about it. Agreed. And it looks like uh, unless there's going to be something else that comes out between now and Saturday, uh, UNC will have its full roster available. Roy Williams made a statement, said they're paying a, a big uh, a big price for this. I don't know what that is, but um, 
yeah, big game, big game upcoming, and uh, and so we move on. Um, I'm surprised that it took this long for something like this to surface. Frankly, uh, within the college basketball season, if it happened in college football, I don't recall it happening either. Obviously, this is not the first time this has happened, but uh, it just so happens it happened. You know, it's it's with one of the biggest programs in the entire sport after the you know one of the biggest games annually in the season. So onward we go, and uh, UNC remains an intriguing team because at 12 and six. Uh, as I said, it's it's certainly uh, it's squarely on the bubble. And anytime you have a, a true blue blood that's you know, kind of flirting with that first four status, uh, that always adds a certain element of, of interesting there. So we'll see what they can do Saturday against Virginia. Yeah, Jerry Palm, um, as of this moment, has North Carolina just on the wrong side of the bubble. Joe Lenardi has North Carolina just on the right side of the bubble. So to your point, they're right there. Every game is a big game going forward for the Tar Heels, provided, of course, they get to play them. <laughs> Little headline uh, broke on Tuesday morning. Howard canceled the rest of its season. And so McCurr Maker's historic freshman year consisted of two games. Not ideal. We're going to spend a few minutes on that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Howard canceled the rest of its season early Tuesday. It's only relevant for our purposes because of McCurr-Maker. He is the five-star prospect who picked Howard over UCLA, Kentucky, Memphis. Needless to say, it did not go well. Although, in fairness, he did avoid being a part of an embarrassingly bad Kentucky team. So good for him. Howard ended up only playing five games. McCurr-Maker played two. He was described when he made this decision by many as a trendsetter. Norlander. Tell me, is that now over this talk of McCurmaker being a, quote, trendsetter, trendsetter? Maybe not entirely, only because if we look up in uh, a year or so and there's a recruit coming through named Mikey Williams who apparently is seriously giving consideration to attending an HBCU. He has a couple of them on his – the last number, I don't know if it's a final 10, 9, 7, I don't know um, – if we if we come to see now, Mikey Williams is a much bigger name now than uh, than Maker was when he was a prospect. But if if a Mikey Williams and then another top forty prospect or top fifty prospect were to do it in two years, then I think we could fairly say that maybe uh, Maker opting to do this really uh, set the precedent. But if we don't get there, then it was frankly a flash in the pan kind of story here. This is this is undoubtedly a bummer. I mean, Kenny Blakeney's program got rightfully a ton of love when this happened. This on top of by the way, I mean Howard only has played five games there's only one trivia time okay okay i looked this up last night for uh, the court report on thursday howard has played five games this season it's not the fewest of any team in america that's opted decided to play so we're not counting the teams that didn't play a season what team has played the fewest amount of games i'll tell you right now that it's total of four as we speak right now played four games four games 
I know it's not Rhode Island. It's definitely not Rhode Island. I've watched Rhode Island play so many games this season. I have no idea. I mean, I could just start naming things to try to be funny, but I don't have any yeah, yeah, actual no, it's, it's Listen, it's, I, it's a little tough. Um, for those playing along at home, if you want 10 more seconds before I say it, uh, the Patriot League opted to play no non-conference games. It would make sense that it would be a team from the Patriot League that has only played league games. And the team in the Patriot League that has uh, suffered the most postponement issues to this point, the American Eagles, 2-2. Two and two. Game 5, 10 days from now on February 20th at home against Navy. So it's a big one. It's a bit, it is a huge one there. So uh, American at this point uh, is scheduled to play nine games. You need 13 uh, unless you appeal to have consideration for the NCAA tournament. Although I guess the one thing I don't know as we talk through this, and I'll get back to Howard in they a second. They played four games against two teams. Navy and Loyola, Maryland. That's right. <laughs> that's all, and they got Navy coming next, and then they got another one against Loyola, Maryland after that, by the way. <laughs> what a, that's got to be the weirdest schedule oh, in the yeah. history of college it's, basketball. It, it, without it, I mean, come on now. Um, it, what I don't know uh, that I'm now interested about is the rule for NCAA tournament inclusion is you need a minimum of 13 games against Division One opponents. What I don't know is, let's say American really just plays nine regular season games and then... I don't know if it would be two or three games it would play in uh, a theoretical Patriot League tournament. So let's say it gets 11 finishes in, but it's it, but it wins the tournament. Like if it gets the automatic bid by playing 11 games, does it get to get in, or is that is does that 13 game threshold only count toward at large teams? I gotta I gotta look that up. I, I don't know what this case is with that, but it seems Ameri- like something we could have avoided by just not making their uh, a minimum game requirement. Which I know is what I said in the middle of the summer. <laughs> They they did it so people. I swear to God, I, I think I, I, I could help them avoid half of these issues if they just listened to me last summer. They, I know the reason they, but I tell you the reason why they did this is the exact reason why you have some teams kind of stumbling now here is they wanted to give teams that thought they had a chance at playing in the postseason every sort of impetus to do so. Like Howard has has said we're shutting it down, we're not playing. There's a few other teams that I think are going to make the same exact decision before the end of the month. You have some players that have now decided to opt out as well. Um, so I think, plus, you know, TV considerations and all that, I hear you completely. Uh, the 13 seemed always just a, a, it seemed a little too high for some smaller schools that are going to you know, have a hard time meeting that threshold. Not everyone can be Auburn, Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech, Toledo, Toledo no longer has uh, is part of that foursome, by the way, GP. Recently lost a game there. But those are the only three teams. Auburn, Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech have yet to have a game moved on its entire schedule. Good on them. Let me circle back to what you mentioned before. With Maker, um, yeah, it was it was a wonderful it was a wonderful story. In fact, it had scheduled Notre Dame to be played on MLK uh, Junior Day, and then that wound up getting postponed this year. They're going to play it next year. But um, I'm not going to say that it's any kind of cautionary tale or anything like that. Like Maker got injured, and now uh, you know I, I I'd be interested to see just what exactly he's going to. I would think he's going to try and go professional at this point. I mean, he proved nothing. Uh, Where's he going? I don't. Where you want to go? It ain't the NBA. Also true. I mean, just if he opts to return, then I'd love to see him and this team be able to play. Like they they had um they had Nojel Eastern from Purdue, and now he's no longer. He left the program. I guess he's going to try and pursue a professional career. But um, I'm glad we decided to take just a minute to talk about this because it was like it was the kind of story that in the off season, frankly, was the biggest story in college basketball for that given week. You know. Um, and the fact that Howard's no longer playing, um, HBCU decides, listen, this is just not worth it for multiple reasons. Uh, it's unfortunate. And for Maker himself, yes, I, I, 
I don't expect him to be a trendsetter. But if we do look up three, five years from now and we do see, you know, okay, there's the occasional four-star player that's actually decided to play uh, at an HBCU, then yeah, he could he could have uh, he could claim that. But I think it's still too soon to say one way or the other. Here's the wild thing, and among the reasons I wanted to bring this up. Until that headline popped yesterday morning, I had not thought of him. I forgot he existed. Like, actually, had not. Like, sometimes you go, oh, I wonder how so and so's doing. It had I'd never even popped into my head. He disappeared. And some of this is clearly the byproduct of the pandemic, you know, if, in the injury as well. But I, I'm assuming without the pandemic, he would have played games at Howard. Perhaps he'd have been putting up big numbers. Maybe Howard would have been leading its league. Yeah. He would have been on the way to the NCAA tournament. It could have been a different story. But one of the points I made when everybody was making this out, like, you know, you know, he could be the first of many trendsetter. Here comes Mikey Williams. By the way, Mikey Williams, I have no idea what he's going to do. Just seems like the type of player who ain't going to be that interested in being an amateur. That, 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 that's what's I'd be surprised if Mikey Williams is an amateur, but we'll, we'll see. But the reason I was skeptical that this was, this was going to lead to more is because when you pick Howard, you are absolutely, you know, doing something that will create a big headline, particularly when you pick Howard as a five-star prospect over programs like Kentucky, UCLA, Memphis. But then after that, you're at Howard, you're not on TV. You're not playing impact arenas. You're not, uh, on charter flights to games you're not on big monday you're not a part of a cbs doubleheader you are voluntarily removing yourself from being visible and i just you know i I just wondered how many other prospects would be willing to actually do that um you know because it, it you are you are gaining something but you are sacrificing a whole lot of stuff that you know, if I were a five-star prospect, I don't think I would want to sacrifice. Your argument is that, unfortunately, the timing of all of this stuff has potentially stunted this from every other future top 100 prospect, potentially from considering taking this route because of, you know, basically what did not materialize with Maker at Howard. Yeah, I just don't understand why. I mean, listen, I'm happy. I was happy to see him do it, and I'll be happy to see the next guy do it. I just don't know how many people are going to be willing to remove themselves from playing in the best conferences in the country, remove themselves from playing in front of packed arenas, remove themselves from playing on national television. You know, if you go to a power conference at this point in 2021, basically every game you got is on national TV somewhere, streaming somewhere. It's 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 there. People can watch it. You know, you go to you go to Howard. You're not on Big Monday. You're not on Super Tuesday. You're not on CBS on Saturday or or Sunday. You just you you create a big headline when you announce it, and then you disappear. That is what McCurmaker did. He disappeared to the point where I didn't didn't even think about him anymore. Not enough to talk about whether he's doing well or not doing well. I just just gone, and I'd I'd be I'll be surprised. Okay, so we're at class of 2021 now. Class of 2022 next. I'd be surprised if anybody in either any five star prospect mm-hmm. in one of those classes follows the path that he took. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just not expecting it to happen there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, 
I had thought about him because I, I frankly, when he got injured, it was it was notable. So that kind of flared my radar. And then I remember checking in sometime around Christmas uh, just to see if the team had resumed games. It hasn't. It had not played since December 18th. That's also important context here. Howard had sure. not been able to play since a week before Christmas, before deciding finally uh, earlier, just a few days ago, that yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna call it a season. And I can't blame him. And um, my kind of last thought on this, as it uh, kind of pertains to big picture, um, have I have talked to a couple coaches. Uh, frankly, one of them being Phil Martelli recently. Um, and he said this on the record, so that's why I'm sharing it uh, and attaching a name to it. He just kind of openly wondered about if there are just going to be some teams that are projected at the bottom of their conferences, they're in the, they're in the, just the midst of some bad seasons, and the players say, you know what, I don't need this anymore. Because the, the point that Martelli was making was that it's one thing to uh, to cover the sport, to watch the games as a fan, to know that everyone's getting tested. And, and the, but he said it's another thing. Like everyone, many teams, many players, many coaches, most of them are so thankful that they've had a season period. But if you're losing a ton and you got to go through all of these protocols on a daily basis and then players just start sitting around thinking, you know what, we suck. Like we're not going to the tournament. We can just opt out of this right now for the benefit of our own mental well-being, not have to just be subjected to testing all the time, this, that, and the other. Um, there, there's a feeling as though there could be some more teams that do this. New Mexico, frankly, debated doing this uh, and still is continuing on with its season um, despite having you know limited roster and all of that. So um, I, I do think we're going to get some more teams. We saw a little bit of this with college football. Not teams bailing on the regular season, but a record number of teams just said, we're not going to go play in that bowl. Like It was just like, we are so done. Like We do not need to play in you know XYZ Bowl. Uh, it's just not worth it to us to spend another two weeks living this life if we're not competing for something legitimate. And so if we wind up seeing that in the coming two weeks or three weeks with, you know, four, eight, 12 different kind of college basketball teams before we get to conference tournaments, it won't surprise me. I think you'll see it in the smaller leagues. You've already seen it in the smaller leagues and you have seen it in women's basketball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you'll see it in the big boy leagues. I don't think like a big 10 team, like the worst big 10 team, I don't think is going Nebra- to like Nebraska. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen in the sec. I do think you'll see teams maybe decide to turn down a NIT. Um, that's a that's a lock. Yeah, that's yeah, a lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the equivalent of turning down yeah. the you know the 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 you know whatever the low tier bowl the sh- whatever bowl they play in Shreveport. That you know the, 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 the NIT. I think people will turn that down. The CBI will it it all, it it all, always gets turned down. So it's, yeah. it's definitely going to get turned down now. But in the power conferences, I think even the worst teams are just going to at this point they're just going to see it through. You know they're, they're, their games. Uh, their games matter for television inventory. Their leagues don't want them deciding not to play. Like if you're Nebraska and you've got an upcoming game against Iowa, like, you know, the big team wants that game because it's, it's Iowa. Or if it's a game against Michigan or Michigan state or Indiana, like the, 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 the power conference games are real valuable inventory. I think a league would really look down on any conference member at that level thinking about cutting this thing short just because you're not good. Let me ask you this, okay? 
touch on Duke and Kentucky real quick. So Kentucky, Kentucky's not even good enough to get to any tournament. It's five and thirteen. Duke, both of them lost on Tuesday. Duke is now seven and eight. It lost at home against Notre Dame. Um, do you? If Duke, let's say Duke winds up getting to, let's say it, it ends, it's it gets out of the ACC tournament and it's like a a thirteen and ten team. Okay, fourteen and eleven team. Do you, uh, there's we can't conceivably picture Duke going to the NIT this year, right? I, I can picture it, sure. Yeah. I I would be surprised. I would be surprised I, as well. I I, yeah, I like don't I, I don't want to speak in absolutes about it. Like there's no way Duke would play in the sure. NIT. But if you made me bet one way or the other, Duke misses the NCAA tournament, which by the way is a totally likely. It's not just a possibility anymore. It is the likely scenario. Overwhelmingly, yes. They're three and six in the first two quadrants, two quad three losses. They're missing the NCAA tournament. So, but they do get an invitation to the NIT because they finish above 500. And it's like, why would you not offer Duke the opportunity to play in your event? Right. I'd I'd be surprised if Duke said, yeah, let's, let's do it. At that point, I think if you're coach K who was hesitant about this season from the jump in the way we were going to go about having it. I, I think at that point he's ready to just, you know what, let's let's call it a season, get everybody get vaccinated as a country, and hopefully we'll be back to normal next season. I do not think you'll see Duke playing in the NIT. Anything stand out to you about Duke or Kentucky from Tuesday real quick? I mean, Kentucky actually was in it. I watched because I was interested in Arkansas because Arkansas, you know, it's, it's still in the tournament picture. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sure for Kentucky fans, it was frustrating again. I, I mean, I don't need – you're Charlie with the football at this point. I, Charlie Brown with the football. I just don't – I it's just come on now. I thought it was I mean, big they just tur- they turned it over instead of getting a last second I shot. Mean, I mean, the whole thing's just a disaster. Um, so what's interesting about it? Like we're we're done with the conversations. Like there was a, a month ago, it'd be like, is Duke? You know, is Duke going to make it? Is Kentucky going to make it? And it's like that's over with. We're done with those conversations. Kentucky's not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Neither is Duke. Um, what I do think is interesting is that I was asked yesterday. So I'll ask you the same question. Okay. Are these one-off seasons or are there deeper issues with these programs? In other words, I personally can chalk this up to what we've talked about a million times at this point. They are heavily reliant on first-year players in the middle of a pandemic, and that is a recipe for failure. If you look at the top of the sport, literally all of the best teams are, are fall under this umbrella. They were good last season, and they brought back – most of the good players from last season. They are heavily reliant on non-freshmen who were in the program pre-pandemic. That is Gonzaga, that is Baylor, that is Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Villanova. You look at Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, they're the opposite. They are heavily reliant on first-year players who enrolled post-pandemic, and it's been an issue. So I personally can mostly chalk this up to that, but I'd be interested to to hear if you can identify something bigger like are is Kentucky going to miss the tournament again next season is Kentucky going to be mediocre again next season what about Duke what do you think I would bet strongly against that strongly now you know is there a is there a potential that this these two seasons were so uh devastating to each program from a performance standpoint that there are lingering after effects to the point where it's kind of residual GP. And by that, I mean next season, Duke and Kentucky are clearly both NCAA tournament teams, but 
you know, Kentucky's a five seed. Duke's good. It's just, you know, it's one of the weaker four seeds next season. I could certainly see that. The one thing I did, th- what's interesting about you bringing this up, and I appreciate you bringing it up because these teams this season, I could not care less about at this point. Like, I'm, I'm so done with both of them. But big picture, I did think about this last night watching Kentucky. How many of these guys are going to return to the roster? How many guys want to return? How many guys does, does the coaching staff want to return? How many of these guys does, does the Kentucky fan base want to return? Because this is something that Calipari and Krzyzewski, to, a, to not quite the same extent, because he doesn't put in as many pros annually on average that, that Cal does, they have not had this situation where it's like we bring them in, they leave, next group. Come on in, tournament, final four run, elite eight run, top three seed, et cetera, next group. This hasn't happened. Yes, I know Kentucky once missed one NCAA tournament. We've talked about it ad nauseum before why that's a different situation than this one now. This has not happened. You you suck. You bring in this you know top three class. Now what's going to happen? How many of these guys have actually helped their draft stock to the point where they thought they would be when they left Kentucky there? Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? That's why I obviously can't definitively answer your question, GP. I'd like to know if you told me, if I knew exactly who was going to comprise the roster, seven months from now, it would be a lot easier to project on that. But I think there are some really interesting questions. We we know that the seniors are gone for Kentucky, like Mince, Sar. Do we know that? They can't come back. You're you're right. They technically can come back. I would not anticipate that would be to be the case. They can. Everyone's getting a bonus here. Um, but I, I, th- I actually think it's more likely that what I brought up is the case here. Like, they're not going to ricochet back to being two teams that are, you know, hanging out in the top 10 of the majority of next season. I think they can get there. Maybe they flirt with that. But ultimately, um, this could be a, uh, these body blows could be big enough that I would expect them to make their way back, but maybe not necessarily be the alphas of the sport, you know, when we're talking 12 months from now. Okay. I have no concerns about Duke bouncing back and I'll get to that in a minute. Kentucky. I don't love what their roster looks like. It might be. Um, I'm assuming they lose BJ Boston, whether he should go or not. It's another story, but I'm assuming he's gone. Probably fair. Yeah. Terrence Clark gone. Isaiah Jackson gone. I would assume Jackson for sure. Terrence Clark, I guess. I mean, yeah. Dude, 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 by all accounts, dude didn't really have that, didn't really have that much motivation to try to play this season. I know. So, I've probably I'm, gone, but the, I mean, just uh, it's unfortunate. He's injured right now too. It's just I thought this dude was going to. I thought this guy was going to be like a top ten freshman in America. But yeah, I hear you. Well, I thought BJ Boston would be better than him, and so here we are. This is this is why Kentucky is not good. Um, but I assume those three are gone. Bring back Keon Brooks. Bring back Devin Askew. Bring back Dante Allen. Bring back Jacob Toppin. What does Sar and Mintz do? You know, I, I'm with you. I think they're probably gone, but theoretically, you know, in, if they wanted to come back, they could. They add Oscar Shibwe. That's good. And then they have three top 35 prospects committed, but none of them are top 10 prospects. You know, they're not enrolling Anthony Davis or, um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. Like they might, but they, they're not, that's not who's committed to come right now now i do think they'll work the transfer market and they'll add pieces and yeah. and they'll be good but i'm not sure based on what it appears kentucky might look like last season that Kentucky's going to be great i think good makes more sense duke i think duke could be great i'm assuming they lose matthew hurt jalen johnson but then bring back dj stewart wendell moore jeremy roach joey baker mark williams uh jamin uh, breakfill what does Jordan Goldwire do? He's a senior, but like all seniors, he could come back. But here's the key. They enroll 
Paolo Benchero. Come on, Duke. Ranked third in the class of 2021. They enroll A.J. Griffin. Ranked seventh in the class of 2021. Considered the leader for Patrick Baldwin, who's ranked fourth in the class of 2021. So they could, in theory, have a top six of, you know, uh, Paolo Benchero, Patrick Baldwin, A.J. Griffin, Jeremy Roach, D.J. Stewart, Wendell Moore. That's that's loaded. I think, and it's a little bit like, see, the issue with Duke's class this season, the one that's a freshman right now, good good class, no top 10 prospects, zero. Like, there's a difference between a five-star prospect ranked fifth and a five-star prospect ranked 21st. There's a difference in those guys. And I, I think, the, the, you know, this season, Duke got caught without, you know, they don't have a Jalu Okafor. They don't have a Vernon Carey. They don't have a a freshman at that level. Next season, they got those guys. Benchero is a monster. AJ Griffin is a monster. Patrick Baldwin is a monster. That's a little bit like Zion, Cam, and what's his name? Uh, Grayson Starts Allen. with an R, and then a J. Plays for the Knicks from Canada. R, uh, J. Barrett. That's, R. What, J. It Barrett. that's what it is. Yep, 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 yep. That, this class has a chance to be a little bit like that one. That class was three top 10 prospects, and that team was awesome, even though it lost in the Elite Eight to Michigan State. Duke's got a chance to enroll three more top 10 prospects, not just five stars, top 10s. You put them with the guys they should have coming back. I think Duke can be great next season. I'm more skeptical about Kentucky. I think think you make a solid case there. Um, Yeah, when you lay it out like that. I hadn't looked at exactly who Duke had lined up and but I mean if you get Baldwin by the way he he does seem he seems to be uh the kind of I mean gosh I feel like he put him on this year's Duke team and they're a surefire NCAA tournament team so we'll uh so we'll wait and see. Can we talk about Chris Beard going Chris Beard by the way? I've been waiting all podcasts for this. <laughs> so West Virginia upsets Texas Tech. Uh, down in Lubbock on yeah. Tuesday night, 82-71. And with 23.5 seconds left in the game, Chris Beard gets thrown clean out. <laughs> he, and it wasn't just like he was arguing a call. He lost his mind. Last time you saw an ejection that would even compare to this would be what? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I was good. thinking, that I, like, so I had to go on HQ Tuesday night, and it was actually kind of a slow night, so I was I was – you know, conferring with the producer about what we would talk about. And I was like, it's kind of slow. I can give you uh like if St. John's wins here, St. John's loses golden gate, Mike, what are we doing? I was like, you know, I was like, you know what? St. Bonaventure and VCU both won. They play each other Friday. I'll give the a 10, a little bit of love. And we'll obviously we'll talk West Virginia, Texas tech, and we'll make something of it. (laughs) Then this happens. I I just, I, I watched practically mouth agape, like, what is going on? It's about a minute long. Beard is hunting. He is hunting to be ejected for a solid 20 to 25 seconds. It he was not going to stop until he was thrown correct. out. Correct. And, and I figure if you were watching in real time, you realize that I'm watching in real time. I know within six seconds, he knows that the game is over. He's pissed about McClung getting, uh, getting fouled out there. He wants to just get tossed. Okay. He, he, it's, it's a total baseball manager. I want to get, throw me out of this bleeping game right now. And the official, like, I don't know what was going on. Like the officials, I don't know if, if their threshold 
for being <laughs> for being offended for profanity. I don't know what what it took so long to the point where Beard briefly just lost it to say. I'm now going to sit on the court and protest and demand. He's like, he's like, he's begging them to give him a T. They finally do. He's still not done though. Like he gets that part of it. Okay, so he's going to be ejected. The, 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 the <laughs> I mean, the, the subplot to all this, the subtext I should say, is Chris Beard holds Bob Huggins in such high reverence. So so then he's like in between all these he's like I got to dap up my man. I got, that was I, my favorite I, part. I got to I got to dap up Huggins who's like who, who who's just standing there and I think internally he has to be losing it. They dap up each other and Huggins has got to be like this MFR just won up me. You know how many times I've wanted to sit on a damn floor and demand that I get thrown out? Just an unbelievable scene. He finally gets tossed and I mean I was losing it. I it was you don't want to have like a situation like like if this was Fran McCaffrey, we would have led the podcast with it. But Beard's never done this before that we can remember, and he knew his team was done. Uh, it was it was. I mean, give me your thoughts on. It. I was just I was blown away by it. Well, my favorite part by far was not him sitting on the court. It was him in the middle of losing his mind, saying, "But I got a fist bump, hugs." You know, like I can't like that's hugs. You know, like I I can't not I can't just leave here without fist bumping hugs like you know maybe for somebody else i don't care but that's bob huggins i got incredible respect for bob huggins i'm gonna yell at these refs walk over here because it looked like his assistants were trying to hold him like they don't know where he's going and then it becomes clear i'm just going to fist bump hugs and then i'll and then i'm out of here so i love that part afterward and i didn't fact check this but i'll take chris at his word i have no reason not to he said that that's his first technical foul ever at texas tech that's amazing i didn't realize that he said he got one tech at um, Little Rock, and that was his first tech at at Texas Tech. Now, he may have meant this is the first time I've ever been thrown out at Texas Tech. I'm not sure, but th- that is what he said in the postgame. His point was, guys, you know that's not me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. There are coaches who act like that. I, I'm not one of those guys. But he said in the postgame, at some point, you got to fight for your players. And that I wasn't trying to send a message to anybody other than I'm going to show my players, I'm going to fight for them. Now, what he chalked it up to is that apparently, okay, so it's a six point game, 24 seconds to go. And Sean McNeil is trapped, I guess, and is trying to call a timeout is actually saying timeout, 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 timeout. And Chris says, I can hear him saying it and I can see him calling for it but the refs don't give him the timeout instead they call a foul on our guys he said so instead of them using a timeout and then them having to inbound the ball and we can set up our traps we we're sending a 90 percent free throw shooter who's actually like 87 percent, but whatever to the free throw line and now you turn a two possession game into a three possession game he's like that you know if i can hear the the, the player calling for the timeout i know the refs could so why did they not give him the timeout? Why did they instead, you know, call the foul on us? And by the way, I think that was like the 47th foul in the game. There were 47 fouls in 40 minutes, 27 on Texas Tech. Um, so that's what he seemed to chalk it up to in the postgame. Uh, again, I'll take him at his word, but it was an all-timer. Like if you start doing a top 20 uh, coach ejections in modern college basketball history, I think Chris Beard from February 9th, 2021, going to have to be on there somewhere. Uh, it was just phenomenal. It really was. Um, 
And I, you know, I, I, I'm sure like it's not a moment that he's going to be like ultra proud of eventually. And you don't want like to be clear, like you don't want this to be your reputation. But if that's his first T at TTU and he I mean, he got he absolutely got his money's worth. There's no doubt about it. It was it was entertaining. He was. And the thing was that kind of like struck me so hard is it's like Texas Tech's a good team. Like This isn't a team on a three game losing streak. It's not a team that's dropped six of its past nine. Uh, it's playing a really quality team. Like it's just a it's just a mid game frustration. We're living in the dumbest pandemic of our lifetime. I'm sure on some level that was downright therapeutic for Beard to just get out there and Listen, it was by far the most entertaining and noteworthy thing that happened on Tuesday in college basketball, as far as I'm concerned. So we had—I don't know—Olivier Saar turning the ball over in the final second was kind of that was kind of hilarious. That I mean, that's not quite uh, that's not quite on the same level, in my opinion. But it was uh, no, this was uh, this was certainly incredible, and um, <laughs> just the dapping. Just you have to know and have to think that. Huggins and Beard like got on the phone before the night was over just to talk about like what the hell happened and Huggins had to be like you son of a bitch you want to know how many times I've had to, I've wanted to do that in my life I mean that was what like the the dap up just classic man I really thought he was like one more crazy thought away from breaking out a ladder demanding someone get him a screwdriver, a drill, and trying to take the rim off the basket. He was just, when he sat down, I was like, what is going on? What is this? Now, sitting down is the equivalent of a baseball manager, like covering home plate in dirt. Exactly. Yes. Going out and picking up a bag. Like at that point, you're just, it becomes clear to the officials, this is not going to diffuse. This is, he's going to keep going until I, until I remove him. So might as well remove him. I've always, I've always wondered what would happen if an umpire in baseball or ref in basketball just decided, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to play along. Just keep going wild. I'll just, you're just, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to stand out here for the next 23 and a half seconds with me. I'm not throwing you out of the game. Uh, that's uh, I know. I know. I've always wondered about that too, but it was, uh, it was absolutely uh, epic there. Um, from a, from a resume perspective. Yeah. You know, we've spent a lot of time over the past few weeks, people going, what's wrong with Kansas? What's wrong with Kansas? What's right. wrong with Kansas? Well, Kansas is now, after Monday night's win over Oklahoma State, which launched the Jayhawks back into the top 25 and one Tuesday morning. They were yeah, after two did. days. Yes. Kansas is now 7-7 seven seven in the first two quadrants with zero losses coming out of the first quadrant. Texas Tech is now below 500 in the first two quadrants. Texas Tech is, um, with this loss to West Virginia – uh, on Tuesday night, Texas Tech is now four and five in the first quadrant, one and one in the second quadrant, so five and six in the first two quadrants. It's still fine, still top 25, but I do think it's interesting. Everybody's like, what is wrong with Kansas? What is wrong with Kansas? Man, Kansas stinks. And like right at this moment, you could you could reasonably argue, if you wanted to try to do it, that Kansas has a better resume than Texas Tech. I did. I agree with you. I do, and I've been I've been kind of tracking Texas Tech like this all season. It's a good team. It can make a deep NCAA tournament run. Resume wise, it's it's, it's an interesting one. I I completely agree with you about that and where it uh, where it could ultimately end up um, in the NCAA tournament. Kansas back in your top twenty five and one. I'm sure you feel better after that. It's also validated on on the heels of that win against Oklahoma State earlier in the uh, in the week here. Hey, I got I got a quick bit of news to share with NCAA tournament stuff. We got tip times, TV windows. That was announced as we were doing this podcast. So if you're listening 
I will put the headline into the podcast description. It's easier to read. I'm not going to get too into uh, the nuttiness here. Um, but the big takeaway for me is that you will have for the first and and for the first round, the first two days of the first round, you're going to have games from noon until essentially midnight. There'll be at least one game played consistently. The first tip will be at noon on CBS, as it should be. It's America's and, most watched network. It's the network of stars. It is. Uh, and then you'll go from noon to 1230, 1-1-30, 2-45, 3-20, throughout the afternoon into the evening. The final tip will be scheduled uh, the 16th one of the day on that Friday and Saturday. will be at 9.50 on TNT. Um, the second round will be on Sunday and Monday. Um, those games will uh, start at noon and then 2.30. You'll have more standalones, and then uh, in the evening we'll have more kind of bunched together. You can look at the schedule there. The same deal. It's a little bit different on that Monday because it's a weekday, but they are pretty similar there. And then as we've mentioned previously, uh, CBS and TBS will have each of the Sweet 16 games will get their own TV window on that Saturday and Sunday, March 27 and March 28. The one thing that did surprise me is that the first four is not what I thought it was going to be. It is. I thought we would get some daytime uh, tournament basketball on that Thursday when the NCAA tournament is scheduled to start. Instead, we're going to have four first four games, and the, and they're going to overlap. So the first, the first game of the 2021 NCAA tournament will tip... On True TV, at of course, at, at, of course, at five o'clock. Then the second game, and we don't know if that that'll be the sixteens. I would assume it will be. Uh, the second game will be on TBS. That will tip at six twenty. So we'll have two first four games, which will be happening at Assembly Hall in Indianapolis. I mean, in, at Indiana and at Mackey at Purdue. Uh, those go, those venues get the first four. So five and then six twenty, and then eight thirty, and then nine fifty. We will have overlapping. I understand why they did it, prime time and all that stuff. But if you were thinking that you might get a first four tip at, say, 12.30 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that is not going to happen. Uh, only other thing I can deduce from this is, uh, though the NCAA hasn't announced it, it looks like the health protocol will be 90 minutes per game. So by the end, because we've got a 5 o'clock tip, and then the next tip is scheduled for 8.30. You figure a game is two hours, ends at 7, tip 8.30. Looks like it's just about 90 minutes between the end of one game and the start of another when it's in the same basketball arena. But it's the next uh, it's the next step here with tournament stuff, and then we'll talk about this a little on Friday. But this Saturday on CBS, the Network of Stars at 12.30 will be the once-a-year mid-February top 16 seed line reveal. If you're curious if that was happening, it always does. It always happens after the Super Bowl. It will be this Saturday before uh, the CBS game at 1 o'clock. Are we ready to get out of here? Let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend Chester Larnell. Thank you guys once again. Listen to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest, most idiotic pandemic of my lifetime. Norlander, I, I want you to understand. Today is the last time you will talk. You'll do a podcast with a half-vaccinated man. By the time we podcast again on Friday, I'll be a fully vaccinated man. I'm a little worried, though. My doctor and everybody else I've talked to says that the second dose can really get you good. And I have to do radio and television all night, Thursday night. I'm looking forward to that. <sighs> 
No God. one wants to hear about how tough it's going to be for you getting vaccinated. I'm okay? going to be fully vaccinated soon. You're a 49-year-old man, and you're going to be vaccinated before many 44. other people. I'm so. 44. And you know what? If you folks want to get vaccinated uh, quickly, <laughs> like JP, move to Mississippi. By the way, th- this might be important for people. Um, I'm being serious for a second. Everybody, like I, I chalked it up to I was eligible to get the vaccine in Mississippi. I live in Mississippi. I went and got the vaccine. Like I've got obviously friends who live in Memphis right across the state line and they um, they're not eligible to get the vaccine in Tennessee. I'm not eligible to get the vaccine in Tennessee, even if I lived in Tennessee, but I could get it in Mississippi. Here's the thing. The vaccine this is what I read is considered a federal asset. It does not belong to the states. So there appears to be literally nothing stopping anybody from crossing state lines to get the vaccine. Like seriously, Norlander, if, if, if you wanted to come to Mississippi, I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. You could come to Mississippi and get vaccinated. But I got to make two trips. That's the problem. I mean, just, I got plenty of Delta Sky Miles. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to give me your Sky Miles. Okay. No, my, my, wife just, my wife just knocked my Sky Miles out on a trip. Uh, this whole season of not flying combined with my wife's, my, who is also about to be fully vaccinated, she, she, just, she, she did some real damage to my Sky Miles account this week. But, but we can figure it out. My point being, I really do, maybe this is helpful for, helpful for somebody. Just because you're not eligible in your state doesn't mean you can't get the vaccine if you're eligible in another state if you go to that state they, they'll you you can get the shots all right well that's that's good to know am i uh and I'm, texas tech is now below 500 in the first two quadrants if there's two things i want people to understand mm. before they move on from this podcast it's that the red raiders resume is a little shaky and and you can get vaccinated in any state in this country as far as i know but either way, I'm going to be a fully vaccinated man soon. I didn't see this pandemic be turning out like this. I did. This one this one caught me by surprise. i never seen one this, this rough. We'll be back Friday. We're going to be back Friday, fully vaccinated. I hope I, they say the lingering effects could be 12 to 24 hours. I could be in bad shape Friday morning, Norlanda. I'm, I'm rooting for you to be as healthy as possible, but to be as uh, you know out of it as possible. Let's, let's make Friday a fun one. If you haven't subscribed to the Island College Basketball Podcast yet, please go do it anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We will talk to you again, for better or worse, on Friday morning. Till then, take care. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.